Podcast. I am your host, Eric Compton, aka Mr. Town Business. And today I have a special guest here with me. Um, this podcast is available on all platforms, so check it out on Anchor, Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, I believe we're on Stitcher or something like that as well. You can also email the show at sportsbusiness. That's S P O R T Z B I Z N E S S at gmail.com. And like I said, I have a special guest. Um, I've gotten to know him probably, I don't know, it's about a year or so now um, through a mutual friend. Um, my, I got my uh, good friend, Mr. Chris Kennedy here, uh, and he's actually from Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. Um, and he's been in the industry since about October of 2018, um, working for the Houston Premise, uh, which was started by Jason Braddock. And he actually hosts his own fantasy football radio show called The Fantasy Remedy. Um, and was the lead for the DFS, was the lead DFS writer as well as for the NFL and the PGA. So, um, Mr. Chris, uh, he also joined the Fantasy Headliners back in August 2019. And he also started off by writing a um, wide receiver cornerback matchup article um, every week, um, then which grew, it grew into the DFS role. So he's actually also the co-host for the Straight Chubb podcast, which is available on all platforms as well. And he's also still the lead DFS writer um, and an analyst focusing on the NFL, NBA, as well as the PGA. And for the people who don't know what PGA is, that is golfing. So Chris is pretty well versed. And he also has his own DFS video um, that's aired every weekly on YouTube as well. <clears throat> so did I miss anything? He's been covering football for about 20 years. So fantasy football, I should say. So uh, did I miss anything on your on your stacked resume there, Chris? I don't think so. I think he covered it all. Yeah, I've been I, I started off, you know, playing fantasy football just casually with friends, you know, when I was 13, right. 14 years old and and just absolutely just fell in love with it was the, the the statistics and the analytics of everything that really kind of made me more interested in fantasy sports, um, especially over the last, I'd say, five to seven years. And so that's, you know, going into where my main division of responsibility, you know, with the fantasy headliners is DFS. It's it's that that data and those analytics that really kind of help to, you know, give you give you an edge in certain areas with DFS. So that's definitely kind of what has drawn me more and more towards it. And for people who don't know him, if I'm, if, what's DFS stand for? Because I I'm, I'm, I don't want to butcher, but I know it stands for Daily Fantasy. It's just da- da- Daily Fantasy Sports. That's that's literally that's what, what it is. Yep. Exactly. That's what I I kind of figured that. So I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. And like I said, thank you so much because I know time is of essence for you. And I know you just relocated to North Carolina. So um, you're still on the I. I think you're not too far from the I-95 there. So um, I know we're on a huge time difference between being <laughs> here in, in Las Vegas and you being out there in, um, in, in Ma- or North Carolina. Um, so it, it, it's really, really interesting because I actually started getting into Daily Fantasy right around the World Series. I actually was in, uh, was able to go to one of the World Series games this year with a couple of my friends and they were talking about DFS. And um, I, I know I knew a little bit about it. You know, you kind of see the ads as well as, you know, the partnerships with the NFL and the NBA and whatnot. And you kind of see it with MMA as well. So I had a pretty good idea, but I didn't really know how much, how competitive it was until I, I went to the World Series. And I, I, I played a couple of games with the, with the team captain mode whatnot um for uh DraftKings, but 
Um, and I know, if I'm not mistaken, within either 2018 or 2019, the Supreme Court finally made a ruling that, you know, outside of the state of Nevada, that sports betting is actually legal. So I guess my question for you is, how did the momentum pick up where now you have like the NBA that's partners with, I believe, FanDuel, the NFL is partnered with uh, DraftKings, and you have all of the the, the four big sports, uh, the four major sports have now kind of accepted daily fantasy. It used to kind of be shunned upon um, with it being almost as if it was gambling uh, was was the big thing, and it kind of kind of went towards the, the the background for a couple of years and then it, it made a huge comeback so uh, if you want to go into detail a little bit like how did how did it just start streaming more momentum after the supreme court ruling yeah and so the big argument was you know is is dfs is daily fantasy sports gambling and and let's be honest the short answer to that is yes it absolutely is yeah, absolutely i mean there's there's yeah. no way to get around it and so for me when i was in when i was in massachusetts <clears throat> i could still play dfs i could play DraftKings, i could play FanDuel, but i couldn't actually go to you know say bavada or a sports book and place a bet because that part of sports betting was not actually legal yet and i found out the same mm-hmm. thing is is still true uh in some areas down here in north carolina so you know DFS is You're in Nevada as well. Exactly. So DFS, while it is it is sports gambling, there's a little bit of a gray area where you can still get away with with daily fantasy sports such as DraftKings, FanDuel. Uh, the PGA just recently brought on DraftKings as a you know a partner with with them, um, and, and so more and more as states start to start to accept sports betting and really start to allow you know those sports books to come through you know, those states are going to start seeing a lot more money because, you know, for me personally, you know, at the end of every year, I get a a tax form from DraftKings, you know, and I have to pay taxes on those winnings. And it, it, it is, they, right. they tax you on a certain percentage mm-hmm. of winnings that you, you make every single year. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I'm making some money, but at the same time, it's not, you know, a hundred percent free. You are paying taxes on that. So it's just like you're, you know, you're, you're, gambling and you're making money elsewhere dfs is the exact same thing it's just it's it's now starting to become not only more accepted but it's also just becoming extremely more popular and everyone that you know is has tried it or they they really enjoy doing it and there's a little bit of something for everybody which is really fun about it absolutely and it's funny that you say that because for me i i I'm glad that you kind of said it. Is it? It's to answer the question: Is it gambling? I, I mean, the short answer would probably be yeah. And right. anybody who knows me, I, I'm far from a gambler. But like you said, it's very, very fun. Um, and, it, and it, and and there is a little bit of strategy involved. I would say, and there's a little bit of luck as well. So, um, and I know I've, I've picked your brain um, thousands of times because when I when I'm able to travel to the to different states that allow DFS, I, I'm able to finally open unlock my. Uh, they'll, they'll unlock my account and let me, you know, try to do a couple of pickums. And you know, you do win money, like you said, you do have to pay taxes on it right. as well. And the winning, ta- the taxes that you got to pay on the winnings, it's 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 pretty steep. So you know, um, it, it's not it's not something that that you can kind of just blink at as far as what you're going to be paying on the on your winnings. So there is that. But um, like you said, there's something for everyone. And I, you know, I kind of I, I play DraftKings probably predominantly more than any any other apps, and that's just my personal preference. And I know for me, I like the show captain or the team captain mode where you kind of just hone in and like onto one particular game as opposed to a whole spread of a plethora of games. I personally feel like there's a little bit more strategy involved in that. 
Um, but you, know, you kind of want to go into any examples on what else is kind of out there where people may, for, for novice people who want to kind of stick their toe in there and, you know, they may get that $5 extra referral bonus for somebody referring them and getting into DFS. You know, what are some of the kind of uh, things to look out for when you're initially uh, getting into the DFS world? One of the, the main thing, and, and for me, all the content that I produce for the fantasy headliners, it is through our Patreon. So you do have to pay to subscribe for the services to get the content. But we have a lot of people that subscribe to, you know, our MVP tier who just have never done DFS before. And the biggest piece of advice mm -hmm. I can give to anybody that's looking to, like you said, just dip your toe into the DFS world just to try it out is not immediately seeing, oh, well, I can win a million dollars if I take first place in this contest. Right, right. Yeah, you can, but also keep in mind, you're going up against hundreds of thousands of other people at the same time. So absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. DFS, there is skill involved, but like any other fantasy sport, there's also a good amount of luck that is involved as well. So for someone that's just starting out, I highly recommend, um, you know, starting off with, you know, low dollar amounts. And I would say mm -hmm. contests that are a dollar entry, $2, maybe even up to a $5 entry just to kind of get started. And not necessarily entering a tournament, but uh, what what we call cash games, which are 50-50 and double up contest, where it's exactly how it sounds. You know, you enter $2, and if you finish in the top 50% of the field, you double your money. So it's a good way to start building your quote-unquote bankroll. So that way, if you do eventually, you know, want to kind of dabble into the tournaments, you can enter in a low dollar uh, amount tournament and at least see what you can be doing in that realm because with tournaments it's high risk high reward because you do have to finish most likely Absolutely. in like the top 20 to 30 percent of the field and again you could be going up against thousands and thousands of other people people like myself people who are much more seasoned and much more professional in the field than i am and and that's where it can get a little bit dicey so i highly recommend starting off with those 50 50 double up contests um, and i do recommend going for contests that are a little bit larger in the field you know whether it's you know, not necessarily entering a contest where you're going up against 30 other people, because that's where you start to go up against people that are really, really sharp and they've, they've been doing it for a long time. So I recommend going and looking for a field where you're going up against, um, I'd say at least a thousand other people, because for the most part, you're going up against okay. a lot of other novice players for the most part. And yeah, you are going up against a lot of other people, but at the same time, the skill set is still going to be fairly similar. You know, you're going to be going against play people that are much, much more uh, well-versed and well ex more experienced. But at the same time, you're going to be going up against people that are also, you know, kind of around your your skill set as well. So that's that's the biggest piece of advice that I can give to people. Um, and also just if not blowing your entire your entire bankroll, you know, if you deposit twenty dollars, start off with a couple bucks here and there and then let your bankroll build from there and not feeling like you have to spend all of that money in one night because there's a very good chance you could lose it all at once and then you're just you're just continuing to bought deposit money night in and night out and it doesn't get you anywhere and that's how you'd end up looking at looking look calling your nearest gamblers anonymous and whatnot so it's, that's exactly well. exactly so, <laughs> it, it's, it's funny that you said it because i'm almost and this is just me so you know take it for for the listeners out there take it with a grain of salt being the fact that i do live in nevada um you know, daily fantasy actually, believe it or not, is not allowed here in the state of Nevada, which kind of makes sense. You know, the state of Nevada, you know, they're they were the only only state that allowed sports betting, so it, it makes sense for for here. Um, but also for me, when I did travel, it was like, well, I got a hundred bucks in here. 
I feel like I need to burn it, you know, mm-hmm. to get to just to kind of get rid of it. So for me, um, I my my practice was trying to just enter in as many multiple games as I possibly could, just because I live in a state that it's not necessarily um, legal yet. So um, that's just my, you know, that's take that for what it's worth. Um, I, and you know, sometimes I come up on a little bit of, you know, I kind of break it even, you know, and I, I and I would probably say I, I'm definitely. For somebody who just started in October, and here we are in February, you know, I'm very, very novice and I've only got to play, what, three or four times since I've been, you know, been in it. So, um, yeah, it's not a bad gig. And like you said, um, I, I, like you said, I, I, I 100% back you up on, you know, just playing a couple of bucks here and there just to see, you know, what it is and, and go from there. But um, I guess my next question, Chris, to follow up with that, you know, there's so many different ways and so many different sports that you can do it. There's even e-gaming on there. Yeah. Um, what 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 is your what what is your what do you find more as far as um what do you enjoy what sport do you enjoy most as far as dfs goes so for me i think um basketball for me has been um my my favorite just because there's so many different options you could do like a a six-pack challenge where there's like six games on a slate or if you want to hone in on a particular game if you want to do team captain mode where the team captain earns an extra half of a point um what, what what's what's your what what, do, what would you say is your favorite type uh, or what's your favorite sport as far as dfs goes for you i'd have to say so i i do content for the nfl nba and and pga for golf <laughs> and if i had to rank them it would go it would probably would go nfl golf and then nba uh, and the nfl number one okay. head and shoulders above the other two just because i've been doing it for a much longer period of time i'm, I'm more confident and more comfortable in you know, in my process and and I use a very similar process for all three sports as far as spreadsheets and, and data and statistics and trends that I use. But I would say NFL 100% has been my most profitable sport, even though it's the short, it's the shorter okay. season out of the three. For sure, for sure. And I, I feel like NFL for me is almost Russian roulette. Like there's so many different tangibles and variables where you know you can have a freaking offensive lineman catching the touchdown that should be going to your star wide receiver it's it's that's definitely where the gambling kind of takes takes into effect um into this so i i i struggle with nfl in particular but i think for me um i I like baseball and i and i only did it with the one world series game but i definitely like the i kind of like the baseball uh, mlb um i think if i had to stack it up i've done ml uh NBA, MLB, NFL. I don't think I've touched anything as far as MMA or anything like that. So I think out of the three, that, that would be my favorite. So, yeah. um, well, I mean, since I since I have you here, where we're talking sports. Um, there's definitely a couple of things going on here in the sporting world. And just kind of, you know, I have a, a DFS expert here. And now why don't we dive into a little bit of sports that's going on in our in our in our nation right now? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay, so, um, you know, I don't know if you heard, um, apparently Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are no longer um, playing for their respectable teams right now. So Blake Griffin, the forward out of the Detroit Pistons and Andre Drummond, who I completely forgot, re-signed, I think he did a one, he kept his fifth year option and 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 basically playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers and I guess they're not ready to move him. Um, And fun fact, apparently Blake Griffin has not dunked the basketball in the game since 2019. Um, which I didn't know them earlier today while I was doing some research. So it's a, it's a fun fact. Where do you, what would be the best fit for those two to be going since the trade deadline's looming about a month away from now? It's interesting because both uh, the Cavs and the Pistons have pretty much said that they're not going to be, or I'm sorry, Drum, Drummond is not going to be eligible for a buyout. Like they're, the Cavs are going to be looking to trade him. 
Whereas Detroit, it sounds like Detroit may just buy Blake Griffin out of his contract and allow him to become a free agent. Um, again, that's mm-hmm. it, it's going to be a matter of what happens over the next few days. There's one team right now right. Uh, that could actually use both of those players, and they're still in the playoff hunt right now in the East, and that's the Charlotte Hornets. You know, they're they're a little bit below 500 right now, but they've got a really good okay. young core of players. And I think they could benefit from either or both of Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond because when you look at other teams that are currently in the playoff spot right now that legitimately could have a chance at competing for a title, they're they're for the most part set at that power forward and center position. Um, so if I had to put my money, I would say the Hornets are a really good bet. Um, I also want to take the San Antonio Spurs out of it. I think the Spurs could also be an option for uh, for either Griffin or for uh, or for Drummond, you know, if they decide they want to move on from Lamarcus Aldridge, they do have Keldon Johnson at the power forward spot. Which, where granted, Blake Griffin is is not old by any means. I believe he's thirty one or thirty two. No, yeah, right. Would he be willing to take a role player position to win a championship? You know, would he be something that be willing to come off the bench at at that point in his career? Because all season long he's been playing at least thirty minutes, so we know he can play a you know a, a good amount of time. But he's been a starter, so it's it's one of those situations where you know does he really want to win a ring or does he want to just keep on playing as much as he possibly can? And if I'm not mistaken, I believe this is his third year with the Pistons since being shipped over. And I think out of one of those years, he was even an All Star um, for the East. So it might have been 2019 where he was just recently an All Star. So I was thinking for Drummond, it makes probably the most sense. And I don't know how much cash that they're strapped for, being the fact that they're probably this team has three max players already on their roster, and that would probably be the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I, I feel like Drummond would be a, 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 a huge impact on the Brooklyn Nets, being the fact that, if I'm not mistaken, Drummond's averaging, I think, 17 and 13 right now this season. Um, and they just need somebody who's going to be able to either move DeAndre Jordan to the to a, to a backup role and have Andre Drummond start as their starting center because they don't play defense. <laughs> the Nets literally don't play defense. So I was thinking more of the Nets being on the on the prowl of getting like a backup center or whatnot um, to kind of fill in that gap that Jared Allen, who they, you know, they gave away, I believe he even plays for the Cavs now, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I think that makes the most sense. And I was thinking maybe moving Blake Griffin, this team is always hit with the injury bug. And I feel like him coming off the bench would probably make a little bit more sense um, just because this team is always... They just they're just snake bitten and they, they just can't shake the injury bug. And I was thinking maybe the Portland Trailblazers. Um, I think the Blazers make a little bit more sense, being the fact that if Blake Griffin is willing to come off the bench, you know, with CJ McCollum and and Dame Lillard, and you also have um, Jurkic, who's who's got a broken thumb right now. You have Cantor. Um, Ronnie Hood's been playing. Ronnie Hood's been playing pretty good. So I, I think that's a pretty good place, um, especially if they're going to go on the buyout route with him with the Pistons. That means he'll probably sign for a league minimum which is, you know, right around 1.8 million or 2 million, depending on how they do it. Um, but Charlotte doesn't sound like a bad idea. Um, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't put my finger on Charlotte yet. I, I don't know, you know, with Terry Rozier, uh, with uh, LaMelo Ball. Um, then you also have Gordon Hayward. I, I think they're trending upwards, but I don't know if that's a place where Blake Griffin will want to go as far as championship aspirations. I think they're a couple of years apart. What, what, what do you think about that? Well, that's the thing is they have a they have a really good young core. And for for me, I think they're more of that team that might need more of that defensive presence. So somebody like an Andre Drummond at center, you know, move Cody Zeller down, right. down to the bench. Um, they do have P.J. Washington at the four who's been playing pretty well. 
So I completely am on. Should have won most improved player last year. Exactly, and I'm I'm on board with with the uh, with the Nets play. You know, I think that if if either DeAndre Jordan or Drummond, you know, I mean, I, I think Drummond would move into that starting role, so Jordan would probably have to, you know, relegate back to the back to the bench there. But they could absolutely really need that defensive presence because yeah, it's great if you can score 130 points, but when you give up 135, there's really not not much of a point. That part that part and I and I think I said it on my podcast like a few weeks ago I mean what did you expect the Brooklyn Nets to be on defense when you have the Phoenix Suns coaching staff coaching the Nets I mean the 2007 coaching staff is literally there you have Amari Stoudemire uh Steve Nash is the head coach Amari Stoudemire is one of the assistants and D'Antoni Mike D'Antoni is also another assistant so I mean they don't they they never really practice defense so um, I, and the thing about the Nets is you don't have to be a top 10 defense. Like, you can be a top 15, top 17 and just get by and 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 make that championship run. Because, honestly, I don't think the Bucks are as good as they were last year. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think the Sixers are a, good, a better team than they were last year. But I'm not too sold on them just yet because I, I don't know what the health status of Joel Embiid is going to be in the playoff time. We, we've kind of seen him over the past couple of years kind of fizzle out. Um, during the playoffs, so I think honestly, this is probably the easiest route for the Nets if they just learn how to play a little bit of defense. Is is this all they got to do? No, no, you're you're absolutely right. And like you said, just a little bit of defense. They don't have to drastically improve. We know James Harden is not going to, you know, immediately become a defensive player of the year. You know, but I think that I think they have the right pieces in place. But if they can add, you know, just some sort of defensive presence there, especially in the middle, have that shot blocking rim protector. You know that's that's not DeAndre Jordan. I think that could certainly benefit them. Right. If you had to think of one player that may be on it, what, what would be a sneaky trade uh, this this upcoming tra- uh, trade deadline? And I know we're like a month away, but it looks like they're trying to get as much done before the All Star break, um, which is coming up in about two weeks. Like, if you had to think of one sneaky trade, or who who would you who would you say that a lot of people aren't looking at? that may be on the move. All right, so one team that all they need to do is just lose a few more games, and then I think they might be in sell mode, and that's that's Sacramento. And one guy that I'm looking at that could be on the block is mm. Harrison Barnes. Somebody of his size that, that, can, <laughs> that can score the ball, that's super athletic. I think if, he, if the Boston Celtics could put together a package to get Harrison Barnes, then you're looking at the Celtics just going from a mediocre team to being one of the top contenders in the East. That's interesting. I have very, very strong feelings from about Harrison Barnes because I feel like I know Dray, uh, Draymond Green gets a lot of slack for being suspended. I believe that was game five or game six of the NBA Finals. But if you actually look from the plethora of game one, of game one through game seven of that 2016 NBA Finals, Harrison Barnes cost the Golden State Warriors the finals that year. Like, he couldn't hit a bucket if his life depended on it. He couldn't defend LeBron James. Like, he couldn't even guard a stick. Uh, and so, uh, I, there's no hard feeling for me for Harrison Barnes. But he is, I mean, he, he's a guy who signed a couple of max. I think he got a max deal in Dallas and then also got signed another max deal in, in San Antonio. Or not San Antonio, but Sacramento. Um, so, that's that's an interesting, interesting. He produces. He, he's definitely a not solid player. I was thinking maybe... If this team is kind of in the in the hole that they're in, and I know they've been kind of floating around that seven and eight seed within the last couple of years, would be the Orlando Magic's uh, Nikola uh, uh, Vucevic, uh, the center, mm-hmm. the starting center. I think you know how, how many, like how much time does he have where he wants to kind of get out of Orlando and kind of start being on the move because you know they were trending up with Markel Fultz. He had a great, you know, he started out the season really, really good until he blew his ACL out, but. 
you know, the magic that I don't know what where they're trending. I don't know what their their agenda is. You know, they kind of stay around that seven, eight seed and kind of sneaking into the playoffs just to lose in four to five games in the first round. So I, I was thinking, uh, I can't pronounce his name, Nikola Vucevic, I believe is how you say it. But I was thinking maybe he could be shopped around and seeing if maybe possibly a San Antonio would want to get him. Um, you know, does you know does. Does Brooklyn want to do something? Does, does Charlotte want to do something? But I think him, he needs to change the scenery at this point. Um, I think he's been in the league for about five to six years now, and I, I know he's probably tired of losing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's, uh, I think he's like in his late 20s, maybe early 30s at this point. And, and Vucevic is, you know, he's a guy that's going to be able to put up 24, 25 points, get you 11 or 12 rebounds, you know, uh, block shots. Yeah, he might get you one or two a game, but this is a guy who can definitely be instant offense and really help protect the rim for a team that needs it. Absolutely. So switching gears, um, another the thing that kind of happened, we kind of have like a uh, pretty good, you know, you have good ties with Houston as well. So, you know, what the hell's going on in Houston as far as the Texans go? You know, you got Deshaun Watson. Uh, he looks like he wants out. Um, you know, the Texans are playing hardball with him, saying that, you know, they're, they're not even entertaining the thought of him being traded. Um, so I don't know if that means he's going to be doing sit-ups in his driveway like he's Terrell Owens. Um, then you also have J.J. Watt, who just got released, uh, I believe it was this past Friday. So um, what is going on with this organization? I mean, they don't have any first-round draft picks this year because of the Laramie Tunsil trade. Um, so the Dolphins own that dra- uh, that pick this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, number five. Um, do you – yeah, do you, what's what, – what's – why or, <laughs> you know uh, – Finish the sentence, I guess, would be my my uh, my question. What's going on? I mean, let's, let's be honest. The, the Texans are one of the most dysfunctional NFL teams over the last 10, 15 years. I mean, there's there's no there's no nice way to say it. Um, and it, it, it's, you know, throughout the whole Bill O'Brien, uh, you know, tenure as well. It was a team that was always able to go to the playoffs, but they were never able to actually advance in the playoffs. I mean, this is a team that had a 21-point lead against the Kansas City Chiefs two years ago and just completely folded uh, in the second half or pretty much the second half of the second quarter going throughout the rest of the game. And the way that this organization is is handling things, with them with them granting the release of, of, of J.J. Watt, I thought was a, a very classy move on their part. You know, he, right. he'd done his time with the team. He'd gone through enough losing and... I believe he had one year left on his contract and they said, you know, okay, you're, you're good. We're going to let you go. 18 million, 18 million deal. I think 18 million uh, owed him yeah. if you would have stayed on the team. Exa- exactly. Like and, and so he's going to be able to, to have his pick of whatever team he wants to go to. That will also be able to afford him because granted, he's still a playmaker. He's still able to, to be a, a starter on defense for any team in the NFL, but he's not going to go to you cheap. You know, he's going to want, he's going to want to get paid while also being able to compete for a championship. And so I do think that there are there are a few teams that will be able to, number one, afford him, but also where he would go where he can feel like he can make an impact and actually contribute to a, a championship-caliber team. Uh, with with Deshaun Watson, I mean, this is a guy who's 25. And the Texans, I mean, if I'm the Texans you pretty much hold most of the leverage because it's, well, you know what? We're not going to trade you. So you can either sit out, you can retire, or you can just, you know, strap it up and and you can play for us. But on the other hand, if I'm the Texans, if I know I can get a ton of draft picks and maybe even some players and maybe get somebody on my team that actually wants to play for me, then yeah, I probably would entertain those offers. Um, But then again, if I'm an NFL player, 
I don't think I want to play for Houston. I don't think I want anything to do with that organization. So I don't blame Watt or Watson at all. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. I was I was just thinking, and, and if I'm the Texans at this point, you for them to say they're not even entertaining the thought of trading away Deshaun Watson at this point, where Matthew Stafford, I believe, was his 12 year was he is it 12 years he's been in the NFL now about 12, about 11 or 12 years if I'm not mistaken, just got just went for two first round draft picks, um, you know, for somebody who's been in year 12. So imagine if somebody who's been in for year 12 years and probably possibly the a worse uh, uh, even worse franchise in the NFL than the Houston Texans with the Detroit Lions you gotta entertain probably asking for at least three first rounders and, and there's I think with him being such a franchise a game changing type of quarterback a, a franchise quarterback there's gonna be teams that are entertaining that I mean if you think about it we have probably but five to seven quarterbacks five to seven teams right now that are pretty much packed with the quarterbacks um Hell, even Russell Wilson may be on the move this year, which I think is still a little bit of a bluff, but it's still a possibility that's being entertained at this point. Um, but if he could be even be, be, get chopped around at this point, um, I, I think if you're the Texans, you got to move. You kind of have to start picking up the phone, or at least picking up the phone and listening to what these teams have to offer. Um, do you do that after the NFL draft to see, you know, um, what these quarterbacks look like? Because if I'm mistaken, you know, the 2021 draft class, as far as quarterbacks go, um, aren't is is not really that is not that good, and that's kind of why a lot of these teams are kind of picking up the phone and kind of shuffling around to see what they can do with quarterback situations, and that's why you see a lot of quarterbacks possibly being on the go this offseason. So, yeah, I, I think if you're Deshaun Watson, um, it's just a tricky situation. But like you said, there's two ways that you there's two ways that he can do it. He can take the Carson Palmer route and just retire and sit out, and then you know go somewhere else. Or you can you can just sit out and, and and hold on and see how this plays out. Or you can just like you said, strap up and play. Now, as far as JJ Watt goes, I think if he had five sacks last year and he's owed eighteen. He was owed, almost going to be owed eighteen million. He can get anywhere between eight to ten at a, at a winning team. You know, I, I think Seattle will be a good place. They had zero pass rush last year, um, and that's kind of what bit them in the butt. I mean, my beloved Raiders have – I mean, I think you and I can go out to Chris and probably get a better pass rush than what the Raiders have on their defensive line. Um, there, there's a lot of teams that can use the services of J.J. Watt. And even if he's giving you five to seven sacks, that's not nothing to blink at. You know, this is a guy who had anywhere between 20, 22, 23 sacks, uh, you know, a few years ago, and he's still giving you five at year 10. You know, I still produce him. So I, I think I, I think a lot of teams will call him, man. You know, maybe possibly him going up to Pittsburgh with his brother um, mm-hmm. and, and, and seeing how that plays out. That might not be a bad look. One team that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about or actually anyone really talk about, and I think it could be a very good fit for him, whether or not he'd want to do that, is the Buffalo Bills. Last year, the Bills, the majority of their, of their quarterback pressures, the majority of their actual pass rush came from outside of their front four. It was either from their linebackers or from their secondary. And if you can get J.J. Watt on that on that front four, that's exactly what they need. They need someone that can give, give you a little bit of athleticism. He's not the fastest guy, but he knows how to get to the quarterback. And he knows how to disrupt things in the backfield. And that's one of the biggest issues that the Bills had on defense this past year. And I think, I'm not saying that he's going to be the key to the Bills going to the Super Bowl by any means, but I do think it's a sneaky spot for him to land that a lot of people aren't talking about because everyone is talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Green Bay Packers um, as as options, which you know certainly certainly is out there. Even the Rams, but I think the Bills would be kind of a, the the dark horse there for him. 
Yeah, I, that's not a bad look. I, I, I mean, you're talk, we're talking about New York, the Giants. I mean, with them barely having a, a quarterback this year, I mean, they they kind of put it together. And Saquon Barkley was out. That wouldn't be a bad look for them as well. They they played really really good on the defensive side, so that's not a bad look. So there's, there's definitely he's got options, and it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting to see how. I, I feel like this this off is going to be a lot NBA esque. I feel like this is going to be an NBA S type of offseason where you have a lot of star players, a lot of franchise players or game game changers uh, being on the go this year. Absolutely. I mean, the the number of star players that you have in free agency, especially at the wide receiver and tight end position, it's going to be it, it's going to be a really really exciting offseason to see where these players end up, and it's going to be a domino effect. Once one player signs or one player gets traded, then you're just going to see everything else fall into place. Do you see a lot of uh, a lot of star players possibly being on on the move during draft night? I think I think for the trades, like for Deshaun Watson, if Deshaun Watson is going to get traded, the Texans have to do it by draft night. Draft if night, if right. they do, if they do not trade him after before the draft, they shouldn't trade him at all um, because they're going to lose they're going to lose those picks that they probably could have gotten. So, you know, if That's say cool. if say Deshaun Watson gets traded to the New York Jets because they have so many uh, so much draft capital over the next couple of years. You know, then maybe that leads somebody like a Chris Godwin or an Allen Robinson who's like, you know what, I want to go play with Sean. That's where I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about the dominoes starting to fall because you, and once one player ends up someplace, then you might get that quote unquote LeBron effect where everyone else starts to, you know, or the Tom Brady effect where people are like, well, I want to go play with you. I'm going to go try to win a championship. That's that you can't go wrong with that. So, yeah, I'm excited to see how this plays out. I think it's going to be one of the more exciting off seasons. And, but, you know, this this NFL season was very very unique. So I think with the world slowly starting to surely open up, you know, possibly you know keeping our fingers crossed, you know, health is the first and foremost thing. You know, possibly we'll have you know stadium field, you know, stadiums filled with fans again at, at this season. So I think this this football season is going to have a little bit more meaning, as if not as if this last season didn't, but I think more emotions will be tied in this season as well. Um, but Chris, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. I know, like I said, I know you're you're burning the midnight oil over there, so um, I, I can't thank you enough for being here with us tonight. Um, but you know, I don't know how often you listen to the show, but the show we always end the show with a sports pop, sports business podcast, big dummy of the day. Um, so you know, it could be pop culture, it could be current events, it could be anything that you you've encountered. If you have a big dummy of the day, who would it be? And the floor is yours since you're a guest here. Oh, gosh. Um, you know what's funny is after I saw the the show notes and I saw who your big dummy of the day was, I was like, absolutely. There's nobody else but her that it could be. Yeah, so you, I'll, I'll let you have it. I'll All let right. you have it because I have another one. I have, I have a backup just in case you're going to pick that one. Fair, fair enough. I'll let you have that one. All right. Okay. So... I, I, I've, got, I've got to say it, the, the big dummy has got to be, um, and I, I forget the woman's name, so I'm, I'm going to just go out on a limb. I'm going to call- Lorraine Gross. L- Lorraine Gross? Lorraine, yes. Can I just call her Karen? Yes. I'm just, yeah, we can definitely I'm just going to call her Karen. So- Yeah, we can definitely she, call her She decided that uh, she did not appreciate <laughs> um, the Tom Brady Lombardi trophy throw at the Buccaneers championship uh, parade. And so she went on and on about, you know, how it was disrespectful to her her father and all the other silversmiths that put time into the Lombardi Trophy and that she personally wants an apology from Tom Brady for for throwing the the Lombardi Trophy. Now, I understand. I 
I can understand where she's coming from, you know, in, in a sense. What I don't understand is why she decided to just start complaining about this now, because right. let, let's, I don't know if she, if she saw this, but when the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl two years ago, the Patriots went to Fenway Park for a Red Sox game and were honored by the Red Sox for winning the, the Super Bowl. And Julian Edelman had a baseball and he threw a pitch to Rob Gronkowski, who was holding said Lombardi trophy and actually made a dent in the trophy from the baseball. And Lorraine, Lorraine was nowhere to be found. Not a single peep or word out of her. And this was national news. This is something that just wasn't just covered in New England. Like this was throughout all sports media uh, outlets. And so I just found it interesting that she decided to come out just this year, because I guarantee you there have been other stories that have gone through mainstream media where players haven't been necessarily kind to the treatment of the of the Lombardi trophy. So while I do think that it deserves I, respect, I think Lorraine needs to kind of pump the brakes a little bit and relax. Oh, she needs to take many seats down, Chris. Not only men, not to mention that, like, imagine about all like when the cameras go off and the Lombardi trophy is kind of being spent tonight at, at each team members, you know, it's kind of it's kind of the tradition that each team member gets to spend the night with the trophy. I'm pretty sure there's been some interesting things that have happened with the Lombardi Trophy uh, over the last 55 years. I'm just saying. Exactly. So I get, you know, Karen, I know what you're trying to say, you know, they're, you know, whatever. But <laughs> once when it's out of your possession, if they wanted to burn the thing down or, or, or you know, do whatever they want to do with it. I mean, as long as you're getting your paychecks and you're getting whatever it is that you're getting as far as the back end of what Roger Goodell and the NFL is compensating you guys for creating the Lombardi, Lombardi Trophy, who cares? Why are you so why are you so invested in the trophy that you're gonna create another one within the next six to eight months from now, anyways? Yep. That makes zero sense to me. So yeah, I I I, I saw that news and I, I I thought it was a joke at first because I read it on my notifications. I was like, oh, this sounds weird. Like this doesn't even make sense. So and I and I started reading into it and I actually watched the video of her and she was very, very passionate about like Tom Brady owes her an apology. And I was just like, okay, I don't think he's gonna do that, but keep okay. Best of luck. That's fine, whatever. Yeah, yeah, best of luck to you, you know, you got your five minutes of pain, but everyone's kind of looking at you just kind of like, all right, well, on to, on to bigger and better things. But yeah, she definitely, she's definitely a big dummy, for sure. Like, <laughs> you just shut up, like, seriously. Um, for me, uh, for me, and I had a backup, and I hate that I had to go to the backup, but Chris, you're a guest. So you're, when you're a guest, we always welcome you with open arms. I appreciate that. You definitely get to, the, yeah, yeah you're, you're more than welcome, your family at this point. So... For me, I'm going to go with Plan B. I hate using Plan B because I hate trying to tie politics into sports, but we have bigger things in the world outside of sports, especially over the last year. And I got to say the the idiot Republicans who decided not to move forward with the second impeachment of Donald Trump because they felt like he didn't have nothing to do with our state capitol being overran on January 6th and basically let him off again for the second time, which means this dude does have the possibility of running for office in 2024. So all of those politicians or all of the senators who agreed and said that Donald Trump was found not guilty for literally sparking a revolution to try to overthrow the government. I mean, I don't know if this nation's been more divided. It's crazy. Like I'm 33 years old and you're, you know, you're 37, Chris. Like I, I didn't think we were going to be living in the civil, civil rights era part two, 2.0, mm-hmm. but here we are in 2021 still living in it. And, we have these interesting politicians. And so, you know, shame on the people who still kind of are are backing this person. 
um, who's who's definitely shown that he he doesn't care about the well being of of our of our country. Um, so it's it's just sad, but um, it also just shows that we have a lot more work to do, and we need to take the midterms just as serious as we took this presidential uh, election. So um, to the to the senators that that found Donald Trump um, not guilty, they definitely get the sports business podcast big dummy of the day. So. Um, it's just sad, but you know, it is, you know, we, we got a lot more work. To and do. I will say this, um, where he is still banned from, from social media, as long as he doesn't, as long as he doesn't have access to a Twitter account, I don't think he even tries to run because he won't have that outlet to just, you know, vomit at the mouth, whatever he wants. Unless he creates his own type of social media platform, which I mean, I wouldn't put it past that, but absolutely like. You know, the world's been a little bit more chill since he's been banned from uh, Twitter. And I think if I'm not mistaken, they just said that he's banned for life, too. Like, he's not coming back. Mm -hmm. Unless he asked for Kevin Durant's burner accounts or something like that, then there's that. But, I mean, I I, I can't see him, you know. You know, the the silence has been very, very good. And, you know, you don't really hear from him these days because he doesn't have a social media platform. And I think... Speaking of social media, I was just gonna say, I think think the moral of of that story is also find yourself someone that loves you just as much as Kevin Durant's burner account loves Kevin Durant. That part, that part. So while we're talking about burner accounts, I know Chris, you may or may not have burner accounts, but let's just give them, give everyone who wants to follow your uh, daily fantasy, um, spill out where they can contact you out, spill out all your contact information because we want to show you love just as like you showed us love by being on the show. So you have that. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Uh, You guys can follow me on Twitter at chriskennedy318. Um, and then for any of my DFS content, um, you do need to subscribe to our Patreon, our MVP package for Patreon. It is $20 a month, but the spiel I like to give people is that I, I pretty much guarantee that you will make that $20 back every single month just from playing DFS and, and sports betting. Uh, you can find us over at patreon.com <laughs> backslash the fantasy headliners. So patreon.com slash the fantasy headliners. You can also find that Patreon link over at thefantasyheadliners.com. Um, you know, make sure you guys are giving us a like on, on Twitter, also on YouTube, the Fantasy Headliners. Uh, we were fortunate enough this year to surpass um, a subscriber goal that we had. We topped over 100,000 subscribers this year. Dang. So we're we're doing okay. all right. Um, and I'm not, I can't give it away yet, but I will say that we're coming up with something new um, in the beginning of March over on YouTube that uh, myself and a colleague of mine are going to be a part of, and we're really excited about it. So it's just going to be more off-season content for everybody right now. Comment, like, and subscribe, y'all. This man is golden. I'm telling y'all, he's practically almost guaranteeing whatever you put in is whatever you're going to get out. So and I'm telling you, I'm not telling you because this is a good friend of mine. I'm telling you because I've done this myself. Like When I don't know nothing as far as DFS goes, this is probably the first person I'm hitting up because he is so good at what he does. So, Chris, I can't thank you enough. My name, again, is Eric Compton, a.k.a. Miss Count Business. You can find me on Instagram at Buddy Compton. You can also find me on Twitter at Eric T. Compton. You can also email the show. That's S-P-O-R-T-Z-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S at gmail.com. Um, outside of that, Chris, I can't thank you enough. Um, I would love to have you back on the show possibly later on around playoffs or something like that or around baseball season but my house is your house you're always more than welcome to come out here thank you man whenever wherever i will i will be there 100 percent. thank you so much thank and to everybody godspeed hope you all enjoyed this special show um and we hope to do this again same time same channel next week other than that we're out <laughs>